What's up, everybody? Welcome to Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. Dun, dun, dun. All right, real quick, let me get a couple housekeeping things out of the way. If you enjoy the podcast, if you're getting value, do me a favor. Please like and subscribe and share the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review. All of these things help, and I cannot thank you enough. Also... Go check out my buddy Justin Bricker's podcast. He has one out. It's called Why Not with Justin Bricker. And uh, he sits down with some awesome humans as well and has some pretty cool conversations. And uh, I love that guy. He's a brother to me, and he is doing some amazing things. So go check out his show. It's fucking fantastic. I listen to every episode he's released, and I think you should do the same. So there we go. All right, now to my sponsor. I love these guys with the bottom of my heart. Um, this is my third and final episode while being out here in L.A., and I've connected with um, both Kyle and Jordan uh, from Jumbo Superfoods while I've been out here, and it has just been a fucking amazing time. And uh, I can't thank Kyle enough. He's shown me so much uh, just hospitality while I've been out here in L.A., and he's just such an amazing human. So, you know, I can't thank him enough, and I, I stand behind this company uh, to the fullest. I think they're just doing amazing things. They use all premium, high-quality ingredients. They're doing everything right. They're not cutting any any shortcuts at all. Uh, you know, they care about the customer. They care about the product, and... Um, Man, this what more could you ask for? So what am I talking about? I'm talking about Jumbo Superfoods. Uh, I love their CBD products. If you are in, uh, if you're in California and you're listening, which I know quite a few of my listeners are, check out some of your local dispensaries and you can get their, their THC products. If they don't have them, then ask. Ask to get them. If they don't have the CBD products, then ask. They should be carrying these things. Um, I love the muscle bomb. I put it on all my bumps and bruises after jujitsu. I love the sprays as well, though. I love the drops. They're all amazing, and uh, and you guys can check them out too, and 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 see what you know the benefits are for yourself. So go to jombocbd.com. Uh, use the code outside at checkout. You will save twenty percent off your entire order. Again, that's jombocbd.com. Use the code outside at checkout and you will save 20%. All right. My guest today is a fucking savage. He's a very impressive human. His name is Derek Scott and he's actually from the town that I live in, St. Louis. He's actually living out in LA though. He's been there for a little bit now and he is a finalist, was a finalist on the Titan Games, the NBC uh Titan Games series hosted by The Rock. Uh He's he's just a phenomenal athlete, world record holder, just an awesome human being, and uh, I really enjoyed connecting with him. I'm so glad he was able to find the time to sit down with me while I was out there. He's got a lot of things going on. Uh, man, you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. I'm super pumped to share it with you. I'm going to stop my rambling so we can get to the podcast. Uh, so again, without any further waiting ado i don't know what the best word to use there is i should find something different but all right guys Derek scott uh, 
I'm supposed to play in this video game tournament. And then I'm, uh, yeah. That's dope. And then I'm supposed to go play, or not play, and do another interview at like 1.30-ish. But fucking mental. Yeah, dude. Well, man, the grind never stops, does it? No. no. <laughs> All right, man. Let's do this. Derek Scott. Right, cool. We're rocking and rolling, brother. Um, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good, man. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the... Uh, the fucking uh the titan games yeah right on nbc yep it just wrapped up on thursday yep how you feeling about that feel good man i think uh i never realized for me personally that that people generally perceive me as an underdog in a lot of different a lot of different um scenarios yeah so for me that was really interesting because everything i've ever done i've gone in like i'm gonna win this right Mm -hmm. you have to you have to have that champion 100 percent. yeah why would you not yeah exactly why it's not worth doing if you don't think you're gonna win it yeah but it was really interesting seeing the way that people kind of perceived me and then seeing almost embracing that underdog role and kind of like just loving it loving the whole entire experience loving DJ loving the whole NBC thing, the entire thing, and just seeing it on, you know, on the screen was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Does uh, does the Rock like to be called DJ? Is that what he asked to be called? You, you know what? I don't know if he asked for it or if that's just kind of like how it came about. But everybody on set, you know, they have bit these big booming microphones and everything. Yeah. DJ, DJ, DJ to set. You know. Yeah. So that's just what just they called what him. everybody yeah. keeps saying so it just kind of yeah that would stick for sure yeah man that's the guy that like everybody fucking probably if if i don't i don't i just treat everybody as a person mm-hmm. i don't think i ever really get like starstruck but he might be like the one person i'm like oh shit man like what do you need like his panties coming off like <laughs> yeah man that's a cool ass experience though but so we were talking before the show though man like um and i think this is important for people to know like You've been you've been grinding for a while, like trying oh, yeah. trying to like get into like going down this path of like being able to showcase your abilities, right? So oh, yeah. like, let's talk oh, about yeah. that some, dude. Like how many different shows have you tried out for? Yeah, so um oh, what's funny is that back in the day my youngest brother Zeke was like, Hey, let's try for American Ninja Warrior. All right, so we put together the audition videos, we put together the application material, we send that in. The casting producers get back to us. Hey, we love you guys. You guys look great. You're still in the running for American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. We actually just wrapped casting, so we don't. We're, that's not available anymore. But this big butt. Um, here's some Guinness World Records we're thinking about doing. Do you guys think you could break a Guinness World Record? Me and Zeke got together. We're like, here's 50 different records. Pick one. We'll break any one of them. We'll break multiple. Whatever you need. Yeah. They actually come back and say, okay, we're actually thinking of creating a new world record. And they send us a video of two guys on like a big gymnastics spring floor. Yeah. One of them goes onto a Swiss ball, backflips off, rolls across. The other guy does it. And it's like a 40-foot floor, right? Mm-hmm. So pretty big distance. They're like, we want to see who can do the most of these in one minute. Can you guys do this trick? Because they knew we had a gymnastics background. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely no problem. We'll do 150 of them. Cool. And then is that total between the two of you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We send that off and we're like, oh, shit, we got to <laughs> learn this trick because neither of us had ever done it. So then <laughs> that's awesome. We go out, we buy a Swiss ball and we learn this trick. And in the process, there's like 15 concussions. Like we're like, I don't know if we can do this, but we end up doing it. We come out to L.A. We set this Guinness World Record. It's awesome. And then once you're on kind of these casting producers radar, they will contact you, right? Okay. So then there's 
Guinness World Records, there's American Ninja Warriors, there's Steve Austin's Broken Skull Ranch, there's WWE Tough Enough, where they feature us on Monday Night Raw, me and Sean. Like, we're a huge part of this, like, announcement that this show is going to exist. Okay. We're 45 seconds of, like, a two-minute commercial. Yeah, you said like, you and your brother Sean, right? Yeah, so we think we're going to make this, we don't make that. Um, there's Ultimate Beastmaster. I mean, there's so many different shows and opportunities where it's like, you're going to be on it, you're going to be on it, you're going to be on it, you're going to be on it. Oh, you just didn't make this last cut or it yeah. didn't work out or the logistics, whatever it was. So then fast forward to this. I was actually talking to the casting producers for American Ninja Warrior. Uh -huh. And they're like, you know, we're still in the running this, blah, 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 blah. But we have this other show. So this is how it always kind of works. We have this other show. Yeah. It's a competition-based series. It's the most crazy thing anybody's ever seen. We want good people who are kind of of service to others, and they're, like, giving me this big spiel. I'm like, yeah. oh, this sounds awesome. This sounds awesome. And then they're like – and it's run by uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I was like, boom, I'm in. Let's yeah, go. 100%. Whatever you need. Yeah. Man, that's dope. So throughout this time, whenever, um, you know, you're – kind of going through this casting process for these other shows are they having you or are they just like taking like your old footage and like they just know what you're able to do or are you going through like the entire process every time right like a physical test and like an interview and like what's the process like yeah so um every single time they do one of these shows they have it set up where there's like a procedure now and it doesn't matter what you've done in the past that's great. You can talk about it, but you got to jump yeah, through what, the what hoops every single time. Yeah. yeah. And what it looks like is you're going to fill out this huge application where they want to know your background. They want to know your story. They want to know who you are. They want to know every award you've ever won. They want to know every adversity you've ever faced, you know, just all this stuff. Really? Then you have to actually get in front of a camera, shoot a video. It's usually anywhere from two to three minutes. And this video is going to encapsulate like your personality, kind of what you can do from an athletic standpoint. And then sometimes in addition to that, there's like, for ultimate beastmaster i remember there was this physical fitness test right so you had to actually do this physical fitness test and that was a separate video for this show um once you kind of made the cut and they're like all right you seem to be a, the type of person we're looking for yeah they flew us out to burbank right so and in burbank they had the sports science studios or what used to be sports science on espn okay and we did this huge combine so for the titan games the combine was Max effort deadlift, VO2 max, uh, max monkey bar test up and back. And the monkey's bars had like this huge vertical incline on it. Oh, shit. We ran this huge obstacle course. We ran a 40-yard dash. We ran a max jump test. We ran, oh, man, two interviews. Like, I mean, you name it. It was like a, a pretty intensive process. Yeah, dude. That's a lot of, uh, a lot of steps for sure. Um, Whoa. So then, okay. So you go through all that and then you're just, you're just waiting for the call. Like what, what's the time frame usually like on those things? So they got you waiting for a while or. Oh man. It, it always seems like forever. Um, from the time that I had the conversation with the casting producer and sent in my material to when they actually called me back and said, you're coming to the combine was months probably. And then after they said, you're coming to the combine, it was probably another month where you're like, just kind of getting ready. You know, this is on the horizon. And then once you do the combine, it was probably three to four weeks before they called back and were like, hey, you made it. You're one of the Titans. You're going to compete on this, this show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So all of that just it stems from uh, from doing the, uh, the Guinness World Record. The original, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so 
I just want to make sure I have this in my mind. So were you trying out for shows before the Guinness World Record or you were trying out for shows and then the Guinness World Record came? Yeah, so no. I was in law school when the Guinness World Record took place. I had actually just graduated law school. My okay. brother Zeke basically just found out about the American Ninja Warrior process. Right, okay. He applies, Okay. right? I didn't even apply for that. And they contact him and said, hey, can you break these records? Yes, and then it's kind of off to the races. Oh, uh, okay. I think, that's, I think it's an important note that um, – for listeners is that uh you guys just said yes without even knowing if you could really like you believed you 100%. could do it but it's just like i'll figure it out yeah. so many people and that's that was like my big thing like coming out here because like once i started this podcast i just decided like i'm gonna be traveling a lot more and uh, i mean there's gonna be costs associated with that so you gotta like make it work so i just came out here and like i got a van and, like i'll just figure it out yeah. and uh, you don't always have to have a plan or a solution like you just have to just start yeah. Yeah, I think that's important because uh fuck dude, that that was the catalyst that took you down this path to where you are today. And so many people will make excuses for why they can't do things. Yeah. Um so so the I just want to talk about that record for a second. The uh so you guys you guys did 100 How many backflips did you do? No, we told them we'd do 150. Okay. How many did like, you do? Um so our first record in 1 minute is 37 black backflips, right? Okay. And that's the original record. And then Sean and I actually went off to China okay. and they had a new record which was 30 seconds. But what they didn't tell us is that they didn't tell us that they were basically scouting the entire country of China uh-huh. to find people to compete against us. <laughs> <laughs> so when we get to China and I was coming from Dallas at the time, Sean was coming from St. Louis. Uh-huh. We get to China. We're like, okay, all right, we're going to practice this. We're going to have Swiss ball. So we're practicing in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. We go the next morning, which is at like five or 6 AM their time. And we're both jet lagged at this point. Right. We get to this. Um, w- the compound was essentially an equestrian compound. And what we're in is a horse showing arena, which is extremely opulent. Like you look up and it looks like the Sistine Chapel. on the Right. Roof. It's beautiful. And they have cameras in the middle of the arena and everything else is dark. And there's like cameras showing on these two Chinese dudes mm-hmm. who are holding a Swiss ball. And we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And so we're looking at them. They're doing their little intro piece. The one dude does, um, he walks in and he does, uh, like a walking gainer into some wushu Kung Fu. And we're like, okay, all right. So maybe they're, they're here to do some wushu Kung Fu records yeah. or something like that. Then they do the, the, the trick, the record that we have. And we're like, oh my God, they brought us here to compete against these dudes. So you had no idea. We didn't know at all before that. Right. Yeah. So then not only is it that team, there's three other teams that go through the exact same thing right in front of us. And we're like, okay, uh, we're about to compete against four different Chinese teams for this record. And they've probably been practicing for a little exactly. bit too. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it was mental. The whole process was surreal. It felt like the Hunger Games in that when they brought us to China and they like, were actually doing the record, they the way that they frame this story, they have a red team and a blue team. <laughs> And they bring the red team out and the blue team out who each have like this leader who's like basically the rock of China. Yeah. Right. And then they have a host. But when they bring you out, they carted us out on um, miniature horses (laughs) on chariots behind like 30 of the biggest horses I've ever seen. They're like Clydesdales that have girls dressed like Chinese warriors on top of them. Okay. And there's fireworks going off. I mean. Wow. No short of theatrics. No. Absolutely mental. So (laughs) that was a good preparation for (laughs) the Titan games. Yeah, dude, I bet. So, okay. So you guys go out there and then um, you guys won, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh man, that's dope. What was China like? 
it was crazy, but um, because of the logistics of everything, we didn't get to like you know kind of soak it in as much as we would have liked to. Yeah, we flew into Shanghai, and then where we actually shot the show was in Jingying Province, which okay. was about two hours outside. I'm sure I mispronounced that, by the way. Um, so you get to see kind of between Shanghai and between where this equestrian compound is, and the equestrian compound kind of sits in a very rural area. Yeah. So. The equestrian compound has a hotel, um, a restaurant, this big, huge compound, this huge stable that has like 400 of the most expensive horses in the whole entire world. Oh, wow. It has a school. So the compound itself is quite large, right? And you can kind of see a lot of this stuff. But yes. around the compound, they had they basically carved this area out. They made its own lake, but around it is just like farms. Yeah. So that was really interesting. And what's what what we didn't realize about China is that they build places, they build these huge apartment complexes, expecting the population to expand into them. So when you're driving from Shanghai to these places, you see these huge apartment complexes, and they're big, and they're completely empty. Yeah. And they're but what they expect is that the population is at some point going to move there and right. fill them up, and that's how they make their money back. Wow. Yeah, that's an interesting spot, man. They have like this whole like americanized like cities right like little uh i don't know like little fucking i don't know, pick a town i don't know yeah no you know what's interesting is like that little new york um, or something the the bar at the compound was a western themed bar <laughs> and uh sean and these two english guys got there before me uh -huh. right and they come into the bar and there's an equestrian school there as well okay so all these equestrian schoolgirls come in and they see like my brother and these english dudes uh -huh. and they basically treat them like the beatles so, like, <laughs> they're like oh my god can we have your autograph this is crazy and they're in a western themed bar where everybody who's working there has like cowboy hats on and like chaps that's funny Dude, that's funny. So, okay, let's go back to your background a little bit because um, I think that's important to, I mean, sh essentially everything you're doing today, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, so, um, t yeah, walk me through some of, like, your just, like, your athletic background. So you're, you're gymnast for yep. a long time. Yep. Did you do any other sports growing up or, like, yeah, take me through all of that? So uh, my parents own Scott's Gymnastics. So from the time I was born, I was in a gymnastics So your parents gym. are gymnasts? Yeah, correct. Both okay. my mother and my father okay. and my grandparents and my great-grandfather was actually supposed to be on the, like, 1904 Olympic team. So this oh, wow. goes way back. Yeah. yeah. Um, from the time I was like a little kid, probably like four or five years old, I could do a backflip. Right. And when we were younger, my parents just allowed us to compete in everything. I mean, amongst each other, but also like we played basketball, baseball, football, wrestling. Um, we played a lot of tennis, like you name it. We probably competed in it, everything except for like maybe hockey, just because like the cost of getting all the gear and everything was a little too much for my parents to afford. Yeah. Um, but if they could figure out a way, they would allow us to compete in it. We played everything. Okay. That's dope. So, um, what, uh, what was your sport like growing up? I mean, obviously you stuck with gymnastics, I imagine all the way through school, but did you do any like school sports? Like yeah, so through in, high school? in high school, I played basketball, baseball and football and I did a little bit of diving, but more so like in a club aspect. Yeah. So like, uh, flips and stuff off of a springboard. Yeah. Um, and then I also competed gymnastics at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Dude, you're super active. You're super active. Gymnastics is one of those things. Like I got my kids in like just tumbling and, uh, my son like loves it. He's mm -hmm. just so dedicated. He's always doing back bends and he's really working on his back handspring. And, um, dude, I just feel like that's just one of the most, um, especially in like just the strength and health and fitness community. It's coming along like gymnastics strength training. You see it coming along, but it's one of the most, 
I don't know, just maybe like underutilized forms of strength out there, possibly. I mean, I think it's just, um, I look at male gymnasts and they're some of the strongest dudes on the planet, man. Yeah, pound for pound, um, male gymnasts are, are unbelievable, but the girls are right there with them. Um, oh, yeah. The the cool it's thing about now is like you have Coach Sommer with his gymnastics bodies, you've got the animal mm-hmm. flow guys, you've got um, Ido Portal with his like movement stuff. So you have a lot of people who are embracing this use your body weight, use your kinesthetic awareness. But people who come from like a traditional gymnastics background are like, man, we've been doing that forever. But gymnastics is essentially the foundation for every movement thing that I've done. But, you know, you've competed at a high level. So you understand it's not just how am I physically moving, but it's like, how am I preparing to do this difficult thing that is relatively scary? So you have all these mental skills that are involved in it too. Yeah. Um, so it's the foundation for that as well, because the first time when you're a little kid and somebody's like, do a backflip, you're, there's a significant amount of mental strength and fortitude that comes into that. Right. right? So you have to kind of like embrace that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, cause I mean, Essentially, um, as a little kid, right, you're being asked to do these things, which may, and we do it as adults, which may feel impossible, you know what I mean? But then you have to, like, mentally commit to the unknown and just do it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just figure it out. It's uh, You're going to fail, and then you're just going to get better at it and just fail again. And it's, you know, slowly but surely, there's a process there. Um so, uh, so you started when you were five, were you, you were competing all that time too, as a kid? Oh yeah. I started competing from the time they would allow me to. So they actually like <laughs> would allow me to compete in upper age groups when I was too young to actually compete. So yeah. there's like, oh, wow. there's like videos out, out there of me as like a four or five year old kid competing, um, on the gymnastics team, on the men's gymnastics team against kids who are like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. Right. So they're significantly older than I am, but I've already been in that kind of um arena for a really long time yeah um and i was on our like men's team from the time i was probably like five years old and then i also not only did men's gymnastics i did okay. trampoline and tumbling as well and trampoline is t- and tumbling I've, I've generally excelled a little bit more there because i you know with trampoline you just have to have really good awareness and then the trampoline does a lot of the physical work okay so i think i won my first national championship when i was like my mom told me it was like six or seven. I, I don't remember. So I basically just take her word for it. Yeah. <laughs> How many national championships did you win? Ooh, I don't know. I think like that year I won. Uh, so I won tumbling, double mini and trampoline, which is technically considered three. And then there's like an all around as well. So, I mean, a number of different times, right? Yeah. So and throughout year the years. Year, yeah. Oh, shit, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, winning is, uh, I mean, you're accustomed to winning, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't say that because people hear like my story and they hear all that. But what I'm accustomed to is the grind mm-hmm. and competing. Yeah. Right. Winning is just kind of like if you if you take care of the process, like you, you get to win. Right. Yeah. It's not I'm not accustomed to winning. I'm accustomed to the steps that it takes to win. And on that process there's a lot of failing a lot of losing a lot of like yeah learning yeah 100 percent, man and then that's just the byproduct right mm-hmm. of like yeah. doing the work and exactly. like trusting the process yeah yeah 100 percent, dude that's fucking awesome um 
So what uh, what's training like for you today? I mean, are you still? Oh yeah. Yeah. Walk walk me through like a typical day for you as far as training. <laughs> yeah. So for me, um, resistance training is anywhere from three to five times per week, depending on kind of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then I'll do anywhere from three to five sessions of like some type of mixed martial arts. Um, and luckily enough, dynamics MMA is literally two blocks that way. So okay. like Henry Atkins, some of the best jujitsu in the world, right? They have got really good coaches over there. Stevin Struve usually comes and trains here when he does his nice. camps. That's a big deal. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm Ronda Rousey. Like, was when she was younger, she was training over with those guys. Okay. So really good MMA there. And then I do anywhere from two to three sessions of like energy systems training. And energy systems can be basically what people think of as like intervals or like there's a little bit higher aerobic stuff. Like I'm going for that usually two to three times per week as well. Okay. Okay. So you're training what like six days a week then? If I, I do yeah, that yeah, right? yeah, most of the time um, I'll stack stuff together, but you know, people hear that and they're like, Oh wait, that's, you know, 15 sessions, but it's, it's, it's organically and not every session is a full hour. So I'm just kind of fitting things in where they make sense. Yeah, man. I think it's, uh, yeah. When you train at a high level, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of different things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, especially because you're, you're competing in MMA now, right? I mean, or so how long have you been competing in MMA? So I took my first amateur fight um, October of 2015. But before that I had done, uh, however you want to like kind of slice it up, probably anywhere from like seven to eight jujitsu tournaments. I had done two kickboxing smokers and I had done, um, like some karate stuff before that. Okay. And that was all back in St. Louis. No, that was, um, so all the jujitsu tournaments were actually in, um, in Texas. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then the karate stuff was in St. Louis. Um, and the kickboxing smokers were also in Texas. Okay. Okay. Did you move to Texas? Um, so you graduated, graduated high school in St. Louis yep. and then you went to college in Texas? Nope. No. Uh, so I graduated high school at Lindbergh high school in St. Louis. Right. Then I went to Lindenwood university. I finished Lindenwood. up, um, I dove there on the, t- on the dive team. I walked on, dove on the dive team, became an all American. Yeah. They have such a nice stuff. facility there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Reflex just, is amazing. Yeah. Um, I graduated in three years, um, but I didn't, I knew I wanted to go to law school, but I hadn't taken the LSAT yet. So they allowed me to coach the diving team my fourth year at Linwood mm-hmm. while I got an MBA. Nice. So I got an MBA, I coached the dive team. And then after that, I went to law school. Um, so I went to law school at Baylor. Baylor, in right? Texas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. All right, dude. Yeah, man. Fuck, man. So national champion multiple times in gymnastics growing up um what other accolades did you have in high school for athletics so in high school i was basically just a letterman um i suffered two achilles tendon ruptures which kind of um altered my competitive path in high school um and i actually at one point i ballooned up to like about 230 pounds and Mm -hmm. for me i'm 5'9 230 is is pretty thick yeah because i kept the same basically intake and consumption but my activity level was completely sedentary yeah. i was just sitting around playing video games basically. <laughs> um so i wasn't gonna do athletics but then my senior year after i had recovered and everything i was like going into i i had an academic scholarship to linwood so okay. i was like all right i cannot not compete it's like part of who i am mm-hmm. so i took all the weight off i got in shape and i was like maybe I could do diving, right? It's relatively low impact. I have all this stuff on my left leg because of the ruptures. Mm-hmm. I contact the aquatics program. They're like, yeah, no problem. First day of school, we're going to have this meeting. Why don't you just come meet everybody? And then when you, we come to practice, we'll basically try you out. Okay. 
that turns out to be go really well, extremely well. I walk onto the dive team. I do really well. I think I took sixth at nationals my first year. And this is after having not competed in diving since I was like seven or eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So you became an all American there. Mm-hmm. Does, um, does Linwood have a gymnastics team? They do now. Yeah. Um, they actually have a gymnastics team. And what's funny is, um, gymnastics programs are very rare now, whereas they used to be quite common in mm-hmm. university level. Yeah. But you look at some places like the university of Minnesota has a really good men's team, right? You look at the university of Oklahoma has really good women's team. Mizzou has a really good women's team. Yeah. Um, one of the coaches that coaches with us at high energy coaches, with my dad, and my brother, his name's Dan Huber. Um, his daughter, uh, is actually on the Mizzou gymnastics. Oh, team. Nice. So like the community is relatively small. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I remember I went to a, uh, to a wrestling camp at uh, Nebraska in high school, and they, uh, I, I got to check out their gymnastics room, and I was just thinking, like, man, it was so nice and it was mm-hmm. so big. Uh, that's cool, man. So they didn't, yeah, Linda was on the come up, dude. They, uh, they're they're D two now. Were they D two when you were there? They were NAIA when I was they're there. They're still NAIA. As soon as I, so when I finished my undergrad, they were beginning to make the transition to D two. Okay, what year was it when you were there? I, uh, so I finished my undergrad in 09 and finished my MBA in 2010. Okay, we were there at the same time. I, I graduated there with my undergrad in uh, 2010. Yeah, nice. Yeah, dude, that's dope. So went down to Baylor, um, got your law degree, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then from Texas you came out here. No, um, I actually came back to St. Louis for about – so um, out of Baylor, I was recognized for my advocacy skills, which are like getting up in the courtroom and like actually arguing. Okay. Right? And Baylor's known for its advocacy program. So you are basically forced into these mock trials, moot mm-hmm. courts, this big program where you actually have to put on a trial. Okay. And every single time – our school, which is in the top five for advocacy, mm-hmm. got together, had these school-wide competitions. I won them. Okay. So for me, I was like, all right, I know that I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Mm-hmm. So from there, I went to like a plaintiff's firm where I was thought I was going to do this, did some of that. We were actually involved in the largest verdict out of Waxahachie County that ever took place. Mm-hmm. I got recruited from there to a big law firm, Thompson Co., which is like downtown Dallas, <laughs> And then from there, I got recruited out. Um, I worked with one of my former professors, um, James Stanton. So James Stanton had opened up his own boutique law firm, recruited uh-huh. me out. It was really awesome. But after seeing what he did from like a small law firm standpoint, I was like, um, I think I can do this myself. Yeah. So he gave me his blessing. We had this really long talk. Um, I opened up my own firm. And then that allowed me to practice in Texas for a little bit. Then come back home to kind of take care of my family. And then from St. Louis, I came out here to LA. Okay. Yeah, dude, you've done some bouncing around. I'm trying to get a pinpoint on everything. Um, Damn, dude. Yeah. So that's quite a that's quite a bit of experience. Um, I'm I'm like I'm getting this like the central theme of um, there's a lot of competition in your life mm-hmm. and um you you definitely compete really well. Yep. Um what what's your your process as far as like how do you like to tackle things? Like I'm um, do you do you have a process? Do you, oh, like yeah. do you like to go about things? Like let's walk through that. Yeah, so for me obviously there's a lot of hard training, a lot of like practice, whatever you want to call it, but what I've done in the past like two years is really dive into mental skills training. Mm-hmm. So what I've done is I've actually, um, there's a sports psychologist, uh, his name is Dr. Jim Aframo. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Jim Aframo wrote the book called the champion's mind, but there's a lot of different iterations and there's a lot of really good people in this field. But 
diving into those mental skills, I do a lot of visualizations. I do a lot of mantras. I do a lot of like spending time inside my head. Okay. So by the time I go to compete, it's just complete focus, complete Zen. Like you just, you just compete. You do what you've always done. Right. Yeah. The process up to that point is significantly more work intensive. Right. So competing itself, when you compete, you get better at competing. Mm -hmm. You understand the nerves, you understand your mental skills, you understand your mental state. Right. All that stuff kind of takes care of itself. But up to that point, I treat every practice, every workout session, every anything that I do that's in preparation to compete like it is the competition. So I'm significantly more intense when I'm practicing, when I'm working out, when I'm doing those things than I am when I compete. Because when I compete, I'm like... The money's in the bank. Let's, you know, yeah. let's go spend it basically. Yeah, the work's already been done. Yeah, I had a coach. I mean, I've heard, I've said it and I've heard it a thousand times, but I mean, you're going to compete like you practice. Exactly. You really will. I mean, you're, you're, you you always fall to uh, like the level that you trained. Mm-hmm. Like you never really rise to like the level of the competition typically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so some people do. Some people are just gamers. But in general, I mean, you're definitely going to uh, to fall to whatever level that you, I mean, you prepared for. So, I mean, yeah, the process is, is very important. Um, so coming full circle because we like went on this tangent and uh, I'm bringing it back to, uh, to MMA, right? Cause that's where we're at. So you're, you're doing all these, these different sessions and, uh, you're training cause you have a fight coming up right on Shamrock FC. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Sean's fighting on it too. My brother Sean's oh, fighting gonna on it Oh, it's going to be dope. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'll be there. I'm, uh, I do, uh, I'm doing like PR for them. So like I walk around and like, I'm just like capturing content and different things. So that's going to be fun. That's at River City Casino. I actually don't know. I haven't looked. Um, <laughs> this is like Rob and Jesse are great and just, you know, chat me up all the time. And they're, we're talking about the Titan games, talking about getting a fight together they gave me a date and i said yes so yeah they sent a contract and let's go i'm i'm less focused on specifics <laughs> you're like big picture i'll be there yeah yeah i can totally dig that so what uh what makes you want to do that like what makes you want to still like to fight yeah with, um, with all these other opportunities that are probably abound what's funny is that i talk to people about this all the time and for me it's not just about being a physical competitor it's about being a mental competitor it's about being you know a a gentleman warrior type deal and in today's society you can't really express that physical competitiveness outside of like an mma arena so for me it my mind is kind of driven to be this um warrior right so Mm -hmm. i've always i self-identified as a warrior as like that type of protagonist right the person who if there's an issue you're going to hopefully, you know, resolve it via, you know, communication and all that other stuff. But if that doesn't take place, I believe that society needs warriors. And for me, this is, this is an outlet for that warrior aspect of my personality, who I am. You know, my, my uncles will always tell you, like my family is descendant from, uh, Viking Kings and gypsy Queens, right? So we're warrior type people. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's kind of like how I self-identify. And this is that outlet for that aspect of who I am. Yeah. I can understand that. I mean, it's better to be, you know, like a warrior in the garden than a gardener in a war. Right. So, um, that's when, that's how I started, uh, with MMA. It was just like, it's a very, um, pure form of competition. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like, I mean, there's just so many different ways to get it done. And, um, yeah, there's definitely something about it uh you know getting in there just you and one other person you know, cage gets locked like all preparation is done it's just you know mano a mano like who's gonna be the better man today you know what i mean and like there's definitely something to that do you ever worry about your brain no 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 you can't can you 
Well, for me, um, I try and train really smart from like a, what am I doing? Like hard sparring rounds, different stuff like that. And like mm -hmm. keep that intelligent. But not only that, like when I actually fight like in a cage, um, <laughs> I have uh, a friend who basically said, I, I always try and like put on a suit afterwards. Cause a lot of times I have clients or different stuff. Well, I had a, a fight and then I put on suit and my client was like, you look like you just went to a Hollywood premiere. You're in a suit. Your face is completely unscathed. And that guy has basically bruises up and down his body. Yeah. And it's just like, for me, the goal is to hit without getting hit. So oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not super worried about the fights. It's more so being intelligent about my training and then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cause it, it can be hard on the body. That's where I started worrying about my brain too much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, uh, cause when you're in there, you can't really have too much regard for yourself. Like yeah. you have to go in there and you have to believe that, uh, well you can't, if you worry about what could happen to you, you're not going to perform well. Right. Yeah. So you just have to think about what you need to do to win. Mm -hmm. Um, but there, I mean, you still have kind of like, you almost have to feel like you're invincible still. Yeah. Like you can't be hurt. Yeah. That's like, all that mental skills training. Yeah, it's 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 a vital. Like if you don't have that, you will not be successful in yep. that cage. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. I uh, but yeah, I just I would think about uh, like getting rocked, and uh, I was like, dude, I don't want that brain trauma. Did you see the fight with Rory McDonald and uh, yeah. and Robbie Lawler? Yeah. Dude, those guys were not the fucking same afterwards. <laughs> yeah. They just beat the shit out of each other. Did you watch the fights last night? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's some pretty good fights. What'd you think of them? My, uh, so, uh, I used to train out of Fortis MMA in Dallas and mm -hmm. they had two fighters on that card. They okay. had Macy Chazen who won and is now five and oh, just looks like an absolute badass. Yeah. And then they had Charles Bird and Charles fought, um, basically the coach of Ronda Rousey with his guy, right? Okay. I don't remember his name. Um, and he lost in 37 seconds. And my initial reaction was like, I want to reach out to Charles and be like, look, man, this is a learning process. Like, keep your head up. Like, yeah. you're going to be all right. Yeah. Um, but for me, I watch MMA now because I know so many people in the community. Mm -hmm. I have like, and it's not, I'm never rooting for one person over the other. I'm just rooting for, you know, those people to find out something about themselves. Cause I think that's what fighting is. You find out something about yourself, whether you every time. Lose. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I think just any any difficult, you know, challenging situation, I think it's important for people to, like, have those and, like, to put yourself in those. I think that's probably why you gravitate towards them because um, I know for myself, like, anytime I'm, I'm doing something difficult, you definitely discover something about yourself. And um, um, I have a professor um, with jujitsu. I mean, he'll always, he, he always says, you know, you know, jujitsu, um, it, it just tells you more about who you already are. You yep. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, and so many people try to avoid those difficult situations I've, I've found. Yeah. What's cool is that, um, so Brian Gidry, who's part of the team Voggy, right? Mm -hmm. You guys, you know, all those guys, right? Yeah. Um, he's been messaging me throughout the, uh, Titan games process. And like, he, he's a cool guy. He said some, um, extremely humbling, very kind things after the finale. And it was, it's cool to have somebody who's of that level, right? The dude's a world champion in jujitsu say nice things about me. Right. Yeah. And not only that, I've had some of my teammates, um, from Texas. Um, one of them, Eli Thomas is, is undefeated. The dude is 14 or 15, you know, undefeated. And yeah. he was like this, he was calling me a beast. And I was just like, it's surreal to have people who I view as, that top level yeah say you know recognize those traits in me mm -hmm. and it's 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 crazy you are a beast dude man there's that one clip we you know where you're fucking you're right there at the edge dude yeah. and like you just push that fucking wall all the way back yeah i didn't have a chance what's crazy is that um there's a lot of things that you don't see in the tv clip so 
that competition itself from the time the, the like cannons and pyros go off to begin the competition to when it actually concluded was like 30 minutes. Okay. And 29 of those minutes are him basically pushing me back, me stopping, him pushing me back, me stopping, him pushing me back, me stopping. And that went on the whole time until I'm literally, I didn't, I thought I was actually six inches. It was one inch. I'm one inch away from like losing. Yeah. My foot slipping off and losing. And, uh, in that moment or in that, you know, those few minutes where I'm like at the very end, I've never been so conscious of having a conversation with myself. Yeah. Right? Because I'm, I'm physically exerting myself. I'm locked in. I'm, I'm doing that. But not only that, I'm like, I'm psychologically going through the process of like grieving the loss literally before I've lost. I'm, I'm on the edge and I'm, I'm grieving the loss in my head. I'm like, oh, oh fuck. I lost. It's going to be okay. Like you can, you, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this like with ourselves, like we're going to reflect on this. And then there's like this booming voice in the back of my head. That's like, shut the fuck up. You can rest tomorrow. Push. And like, that's my brother, like my brother, Sean, like that's literally his voice. Okay. And from that moment forward, I was like, you're right. You know what? This is, I haven't lost yet. I'm on the top. I'm one inch from the edge. Push. Yeah. And oh man, it was mental. And then they don't show this either. Um, afterwards, neither of us could walk like that competition is so grueling on your, your quads. That oh, yeah. I floated down and I was like going to do a backflip. I was going to celebrate and just go ham. And I went to like stand up and my legs completely gave out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lying on the ground. Um, yeah, it was so f- that's the hardest thing I've ever done physically, probably emotionally and mentally too. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Afterwards, like what's going through your head in that moment? Like after the win? Yeah. Oh man. Maybe after the win. Like, like, so when you do something like that, the hardest physical thing I've ever done, having that grieving process of, of your, you lost to like, no, I'm going to push back and win. You, you realize how strong you are. Right? Yeah. So that is that, that's a literal manifestation of what we all talk about that. Like things can get bad. Things can look horrible. You can be one inch from the ledge and you push back. It yeah. was, uh, my, my self-confidence had never been at an all time high. And, the other thing that people don't recognize is about this is that I was working full time the entire Titan Games process. Like everyone else was basically flew out to California on vacation. Yeah. I, I couldn't take a break. Yeah, you live here, right? Yeah. You're so a trainer. I, yeah. Um, so I was working full time. And then I was sleeping like one to two hours per night. And throughout the process, I lost like 15 pounds. Oh, so I was losing weight. I wasn't sleeping. I was working full time. I was super stressed out. And all those things would have usually been an excuse, but it, it wasn't right. They put you up on this thing. You're going to climb, you're going to push and you're going to win. Right. Yeah. So for me, like it was the kind of example of all those days of mental skills training of like, even when stuff gets bad, you can still like push through this. Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you made no excuses. Yeah. Nobody even knew that that was even going on. Correct. Right. And then, and that's the thing, man, like, you just have to deal with it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. adversity happens, and um, you just have to find a way. Like I think about that. Like I went, I was, I was training full time, fighting professionally at a high level. Like I mean, I made it to Bellator, and I, fucking, working full time, mm-hmm. and I have two kids, mm-hmm. and um, like you just make no excuses. You just do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, and and the more you do it, the stronger. You, the stronger like mentally you become exactly right so it's uh it's just it's just how it's done dude um yeah so dope so like afterwards you felt fucking i'm sure just amazing and uh do you like you know like uh 
in that moment, do you feel like you're like in a flow state? You know what I'm talking about? Like where like yeah. everything's just kind of clicking. And yeah, but for me, every time I ever compete, I feel in a, in a flow state. And what's really neat is that um, I've never seen myself immediately before a competition, right? Because even when they shoot videos um, of MMA fights, they show your walkout and you're already kind of like in it. But mm-hmm. in the Titan games, they actually show me like standing on the, the starting circle and like they show my eyes and I'm like, oh man, I recognize that look, right? It's just complete focus, complete like mindfulness and presentness or however you want to call it. Like, okay, there's a wall in front of me. Okay, there's an obstacle in front of me. Okay, whatever's in front of me, that's where like 100% of like my intention and being is at, at this moment. So that was really, really, really cool to see. What are you saying to yourself in that moment? You can hear me. Uh, on a lot of the clips, you can hear me talking to myself. Yeah. So um, before the lunar impact, uh, my father has a saying. Um, he says, 10 two-letter words that make all the difference. If it is to be, it is up to me. And I'm standing there, and I'm rocking back and forth, and I'm looking at the ladder, and I'm saying that to myself. If, yeah. If it is to be, it is up to me. If it is to be, it is up to me. Yeah, just and over I'm and sure, over. I'm just mantraing it, right? Yeah. And uh, I have all those little things. Um, there's a Bible verse that I like that says um, – the righteous or the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Okay. And I can remember like one of the best performances I ever had. I was just saying that to myself. So like yeah. you find these words that give you this feeling that have this meaning and it puts you into the appropriate mental state. So I'm like, I love mantras, right? Mm-hmm. I love affirmations. I love mantras. I love the, the mental game. The mental game for me is, is, um, is where I've really been like, okay, I have so much more growth in this area right? yeah because i've done i train with world-class coaches in almost every other physical area right but the mental skills is something that i didn't realize i was training when i was training it and i realized that there's so much more for me to kind of like get. yeah dude the mind really is the key yeah. to to unlocking like all of the physical potential because like our bodies are capable of far more than like we'll the mind or what your current mind state will lead you to believe right like it's so easy to be like oh i can't do that or like you start to uh, push to a physical like to a physical almost like wall and you feel like you can't go any further but like if you just mentally like push through that barrier the body can keep going yep you know what i mean like i remember the first time for me i experienced that was in high school wrestling we came in on a sunday it was usually typically kind of a chill you know lift and uh run like because we we had tournaments almost every friday and saturday my coach had different i you know different plans for this day so we lifted really hard we ran really hard and then we went and live wrestled for an hour at the end of live wrestling you know we're all fucking crying we're exhausted and um, he takes us through a visualization and almost uh, like meditation practice and uh, brings us all down. And like it was in that moment because I can remember thinking, man, I can't do this. And I'm so physically exhausted. And like I'm going with the big guys. I think I'm going with uh, like I wrestled at 85. So I'm going with like our two, like, uh, I don't know, our 215 or heavyweight. And I just remember like in a moment there, I'm like, fuck this. Like I'm just going to just kill these two. And like I just kept pushing through. And afterwards I realized like, man, we're – we are capable of far more than we'll, like we are led to believe. You know what I mean? And it's, it all starts with the mind. It's like you have to train the mind first and the body will follow. And um, I just think that's just so powerful for people to understand. Um, so how, how else do you like to um, like train that? I mean, obviously mantras. Um, you mentioned your dad. Like, uh, like 
do you have any like mentors that you like to go to or any books or podcasts or like, what do you like to do to train your mind? Yeah. So for me, the mental stuff, um, right now, acutely what I'm doing is, um, this Dr. Jim Afremo stuff, the champion's mind stuff, the gold medal mindset. Um, that's actively where I'm like being conscious about it. But for me, it's like, it's been a lifetime up to this point of, yeah. of doing those mental skills. You talk about wrestling practices. We used to have this coach, David Bertolino. He would say, literally, we would have two hour wrestling practices and we would be soaked in sweat, can't move anymore. And he would say, break your partner, break your partner. If you're not trying to break your partner, you're doing them a disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your family a disservice. You're doing everyone in your life a disservice. You've been given a gift. If you don't do your absolute best to express that gift, you're doing a disservice, right? You're wasting that gift. Yeah. So literally I would always try and break my partners. Right. And like I would pick them up. I would take them back down. I would, whatever it would be if they were broken. Right. And then I would lift them back up. And that's, that's, that's how you train that mental skill. But same thing now, like I try and read what is available to us with regards to like scientific research. And there's a big paper on um, fatigue. And what they've shown is um, the very acute example is at the very end of like a marathon or very like a large run, those athletes are able to sprint to the finish line, right? So that's a cute example of when you should be physically completely exhausted, you still have this next level where the fatigue doesn't exist and you can physically push past that. Right. So for me, I'm always looking to examples of how do I do that? How do I manifest that in my own life? And, uh, how I use it on a daily basis is when I train physically yesterday, for example, I was doing, um, something called the pendulum squat. And mm-hmm. when I first started doing pendulum squats, I could barely do like two plates and it was hard. It's a difficult movement to do appropriately, right. With like perfect form, perfect tempo. So yesterday I was like, I went for four plates and I was like, it, literally I was like, I can't do this. There's no way. Like I'm not, I'm going to get pinned at the bottom. I'm not going to be able to stand up. Mm-hmm. And just that. Being able to do those super hard reps, calm yourself down, push past where you think you are physically, you know, just try and do that on a daily basis. Find whatever that limit is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, you know, finding those challenges in your life is so important. Um, uh, my coach used to say, I think he got it from the movie Man on Fire, but like, uh, pressure is a privilege. Mm-hmm. And I still use that mantra like to today. I mean, I mean, pressure can either bust pipes or create diamonds. You know what I mean? It's just however you respond. Yeah, my man RG3 at Baylor. No pressure, no diamonds. Yeah, dude. It's so true, dude. It's so true. Um, Yeah, and I love the feeling afterwards. like after being in a flow state, you just you, you're just on this ultimate high. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And um, I used to think that I was a fl- like a, a an adrenaline junkie, but I realized like I just I love I was a flow junkie because I just love I love when the stakes are high and there's a lot of pressure and like you go in there and you perform and um, everything's just clicking right. You're not really thinking. You're almost like out of body and you're just everything's just moving. Boom, boom, boom. And then it's like this dream almost like immediately afterwards still and you just feels just so good so just this ultimate high and you're just so relieved yeah what's funny is that um in the nutrition world in the training world and a lot of the stuff that we do we talk about um, mindfulness being present meditation and everyone always kind of associates that with they have this connotation of like sitting there with your eyes closed doing alms right yeah but it's not just that you know, mindfulness, presentness, meditation can be insanely like competitive, right? Mm-hmm. Physically exhaustive as well. Yeah. As long as the mindset is there and you just like, yeah, you're right. You become addicted to it, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever that competition is, whatever that kind of gets you going, like yeah. feeling like you're alive, man, 
Go for it, always. Yeah, man. Have you read the book um, Stealing Fire with Steve, by Stephen Kotler? Nope. It's um, essentially talking about like flow state and different things. He also wrote another book, I think, called uh, Becoming Superman. Ooh, love it. Kind of more, more about that. And uh, one of the things he talks about is how um, once you're able to, to like mentally conceive something, like then it, it's, it becomes possible. And he used the example, uh, he used a couple of different examples, but one that's really easy to translate would be like the four minute mile. Mm-hmm. You know, beforehand, everybody thought that was impossible. Yeah, yep. you they thought your heart would explode. Like, you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one person did it, and now you have high schoolers that can do it. Yeah, you know what's what I mean? crazy is that right before the Titan Games, I was, um, I actually shared a post from Roger Bannister and what he was talking about how he was able to get to that four minute mile. And it was completely mental, right? Yeah. So he just decided that he was going to be able to suffer more than any other physical human being had done to that point, or at least recorded. Yeah. And he, that's how he got to that four minute mile. And then as soon as other people saw that it was possible, this mental barrier for everyone else just dissipated. And then people were breaking it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's how it works, right? It's like, you just have to know that it's possible. And like, once one person does it. I mean, we're just always setting new boundaries mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. It, it blows me away. Um, so what do you like to do? I mean, we, we talked about, uh, like, your training regimen. Um, like, what's, uh, what do you like to do for recovery? Um, I mean, because yeah. you're always going, dude. You got to recover, right? Um, this is funny. Uh, so I just gave a presentation in-house here at UPLA about sleep, right? Yeah. So I am meticulous about my sleep. I go to bed at the exact same time. I wake up at the exact same time every single day without fail. What time you go to right? bed? So I have an alarm that goes off at 9 p.m., go to bed. I wake up at 5 a.m. every single day. Nice. And if I adjust one way or the other, it's usually by about half an hour. Okay. So I'll make an adjustment one way or the other sometimes by about half an hour. And obviously life will sometimes keep me up a little bit later, but I'm usually pretty meticulous about that. Um, The other thing is I'm actually sponsored by Rock Tape. So Rock Tape really takes care of me. So like they have kinesiology tape that I use a lot of the times, Mm -hmm. but not only that, they have like fascial abrasion tools, they've got cupping and I'm like FMT certified and a bunch of other different stuff. So I've done enough soft tissue stuff that I can kind of take care of myself. Um, When we do, we do in-house like um, educational stuff at least three times per week here. And when we're doing those, I'm usually doing some type of like skin rolling or something like that. That's going to help my fascia, help my tissue. Um, I'll go get soft tissue massages. I have a chiropractor over here who's like absolutely amazing. So if I need like some alignment or something like that, I'll have him take care of me. Um, As crazy as I am about training, I'm just as crazy about recovery. But it's not just like. I'm getting soft tissue. I'm doing massaging. I'm sleeping well. It's I'm eating well as well. Yeah. I try and meditate a lot. Um, I also try to make sure that like anything that is in or around my body isn't harming me. So I use what's called uh, environmental working group. They have an app called ewg.org. Okay. Um, and anything that I put to any hygienic product, anything I consume, I run through that app to make sure that it is not going to be harmful to oh, me. Oh, nice. What's the app called again? It's called ewg.org. Um, it's, I think it's called like Mindful Living or something like that. Yeah. Um, they are are getting a little bit more like known because Khloe Kardashian got involved with them. Oh, really? But here's my thing. like, If I'm at a grocery store and I have to buy toothpaste and I have this app that can scan every barcode yeah. and a five means it's linked to some type of cancer. Yeah. And then a one means it's been researched and there's no carcinogen. Uh, right it's not going to be harmful yeah no carcinogens or anything like that exactly so if i can scan both of those things and it's making a choice between a one or a five 
I'm going to choose the one, right? So mm-hmm. that type of behavior for me is really easy to implement. I, I have no barrier to entry. I'll just do it. Yeah. Um, what's funny is I, when I first heard about, um, so receipts have uh, a chemical on them that's, that's not good for you. Right. Right. For lack of a better way to put that. Right. I won't touch receipts. Mm-hmm. So like little stuff like that, I am very, very um, mindful of, and I just immediately implement into my behaviors. Yeah. Um, all my water at home has a filter on it. I just bought a filter for everything that comes into our house. And then I have a Berkey filter that I use my drinking water and like yeah. stuff like that. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm with it, dude. I, um, the, the, the things like that, that not just what we eat and what we put in our body, but what we put on our body. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, our skin's our largest organ. Like I don't use, I don't even use lotion. I use coconut oil. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's hardly any plastics in my house. Mm-hmm. I use, um, like all glass. Like yeah. I went and got big five gallon glass carboys and like, cause I don't drink tap water or anything like that. So, and like, I'll, I'll go fill those up and, uh, yeah, wood and metal yep. and yep. yeah, dude, it's just, it's just where it's at. You got to really pay attention to the things that you're putting into your exactly. body and what you're using, like toothpaste and different yeah. things. Yeah. The craziest part for me is that I'm really adamant about all that stuff and I generally find it to be pretty easy. My biggest exposure is um, I go surfing a lot. Yeah. And think about it. Everything that everyone else is using gets washed into the ocean. So you have a lot of stuff in the ocean. And what I found is that some days when I go surf, I'll like I'll ingest some salt water, some seawater. And then I'm like sick because it's it's terrible. Right. Everything that everyone is using is getting washed into our water. And it's like, man, I just. I wish that people would be a little bit more receptive to making changes where it doesn't, it's, there's, it's low hanging fruit, right? Using glass and metal instead of plastic is a pretty easy transition. If you Mm -hmm. just are a little mindful about your choices. Right. Yeah. It's not as convenient, right? Because Mm -hmm. I mean, glass can break and and maybe a little bit heavier, but I mean, I mean, why did, at what cost is convenience really, yeah. you know, bringing? Yeah. You know what? Um, I have this conversation all the time and it's a little bit higher level conversation, but we have so much advancement, right? And what's all this advancement and technology and all this stuff for if we're not trying to be healthier, if we're not trying to help each other? 100%. You know, so I look at convenience and I look at companies who, who put profit and try and, you know, they're, they're using plastics. They're using these things because they derive a higher you know, profit margin. Yeah. That. Helps your margins. But is, is, is that really worth it in the long run where people are being in essence, you know, p- carcinogens are being put into people because these companies could make the transition, but they choose not to because they need to have a higher profit margin to yeah. satisfy, you know, their investors or whatever it is. Yeah. And that feels broken to me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Dude, 100%. And I, I mean, I, I have this conversation all the time because, you look at just the different sources of like energy that we could be using, but we're still using fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what are we doing? Like, we're obviously not doing what we could be doing to be the best. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Or the healthiest. It really blows me away. Yeah. There's a quote out there that says, um, do your best until you know better. And when you know better, do better. Right. And I think a lot of the times people know better now, but they have these selfish motives that don't allow them to do better for others. And for me, that uh, kind of hurts my soul. And I'm like, yeah, I try and very, I, I try and be very gracious with my time. I try and literally help as much as I can. And I think that's just the tenant of who I want to be. Yeah. Um, I want to be of service to others, especially anything that I've done. I want to tell people like, look, if you see this trait in me, you're capable of it. And yeah. Allow me to help you or 
go on your own. Be, yeah. Be your own superhero. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I just, I've kind of made that shift, like, just the more people that I can connect with and, like, help with and um, just try to add value to them. I mean, I feel like that's just the way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. you leave people better than you found them, you know, to the best of your ability. Yep. Um, that's also why I like to work with, I mentioned a little bit before, in, like, the, the company Jumbo Superfoods because they use, like, all, like, high-quality premium ingredients. Mm-hmm. And um, like they put things in glass, and they have a couple of different like brands. Like one of them's like a dirt brand, and it's it's called Dirt anyway. But they make like a really good lip balm and like toothpaste and different things. So That's it's awesome. like just aligning with companies with the same values mm-hmm. that are actually trying to add value to the world instead of yeah. just like increase their margins all the time. Yeah, it's it's good when you can have like sponsors and people who are on your team that makes sense for you. Like for me, I have, like I talked about rock tape with regards to my recovery and I did my first rock tape seminar, not as one of their athletes. Right. I just did it because I was like, the guys who were teaching it are, are two of the best former Olympians in the world, as far as like recovery and different stuff goes with the training aspect. So I went to them for training aspect to learn from them. And then they taught me about rock tape. And I was like, hang on, if these guys are former Olympians, they have a really good macro level view of what's going on. They're using this stuff. I'm going to try it out. So I did some rock tape. I did some of the like uh, fascial abrasion. I did some of the cupping. I did some of these techniques, the skin rolling. And immediately I was like, wow, I feel so much better. Right. And when you can do those things and you can have companies that will support you and make sense for you, it it, it makes your life, it makes you feel significantly more like um, genuine. Yeah. What's skin rolling? So skin rolling is literally where you take the fascia uh-huh. and I'm going to pinch it like this and then I'm just going to roll it up. Oh, okay. And yeah. if you have any fascial abrasions, as you roll the skin, you'll feel like these little pops in the fascia. Uh-huh. And for me, because I have two Achilles tendon ruptures, I roll the skin on the back of my Achilles all the time. And as I roll from like the heel up to the back of the kneecap, I'll feel like these little pops. And before I just wasn't addressing that at all. So oh. the scar tissue was becoming adhered. Yeah. Um, what they call it is, um, so, uh, fascia, skin, all that stuff is supposed to slide and glide. Mm-hmm. And what happens is it kind of becomes moss together, mm-hmm. right? It sticks together and then your body doesn't operate the way that it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, so for me, I do a lot of skin rolling because it helps with that fascia, right? It helps to everything to be moving the way that it's supposed to move. Right. Yeah. I'm going to start implementing on that. Like my, my ankles, like my mobility is shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've just been so focused on regaining that capacity because mm-hmm. like it affects my squat. Like yep. my hips are tighter. Like, and as my hips got loose, like, I started gaining more uh, capacity in my hips. I realized, oh, I got to go to the to the base, my ankles. Like, mm-hmm. those just aren't where they need to be. So I'm going to start implementing that. Like, that's definitely a good one. Yeah, what's cool is that I have enough soft tissue knowledge that um, I was massaging my girlfriend's feet the other day because she was like, they're hurting. Mm-hmm. And as I'm massaging, like, the bottom of her feet, I can literally feel and hear the fascia, like, breaking up yeah and i'm like well no wonder your feet hurt you have all of these fascial restrictions or soft tissue restrictions or however you want to kind of call it right yeah the the tissue should should slide appropriately should kind of mm-hmm. uh constrict and, and yeah. come together and if it's not you're gonna have some issues it's gonna manifest you know whether it be your ankle your knee your hip it's gonna go up chain or down chain or whatever it's yeah absolutely some, yeah. and the shoes we wear i mean they're just yeah. they're terrible like they're not designed for yeah. like how we're 
we're supposed to be like moving and operating. What's funny in, in the, um, in the gym kind of paradigm, we have a lot of people that come in, in running shoes and anytime where you have to have like a good stable base and press through your feet, we have people take their shoes off. Yeah. So what's funny is when we're training, we have a lot of people who are training in stocking feet because they come in in these shoes that if you push laterally on the outside of the foot, you're going to roll over, right? Yeah. And everything is not going to work the way it's supposed to work. So right. you just say, look, take your shoes off. It's going to be better. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, deadlifting, squatting, whatever. It may yeah. Be. And then now you're giving your feet the opportunity to actually like be used mm-hmm. and like to yeah. build that stabilization of yeah. those muscles. Um, do you do any like cryotherapy or um, like do you implement the sauna or anything like that? Floating? So for me, I do a lot of uh, sauning. Like I really like sauning. It's like one of the easiest ways to, like, yeah. to detoxify the body. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of cryo companies reach out to me. Um, it's not something that I've implemented really. Um, I'll use more so like cold showers yeah, or like the Wim Hof stuff, like yeah. cold water immersion. Yeah. I do that pretty easily. Um, when we go up to the mountains, I've actually like tried to like find places to like literally jump into like the streams yeah um and that's oh my god i love that um so i'll use that i'll use the sauna um i've done the float pods probably three or four times and they're amazing from like a meditative standpoint really helps to like clear everything out um so yeah i'm 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 not opposed to using any of that stuff if it even if it's a placebo effect if it helps you perform better, who cares? Yeah. Right? Well, the placebo effect, I almost, I just hate the way we like, we talk about that these days because like, that's literally the mind, mm-hmm. yeah. like fixing your body or like mm-hmm. doing something like there's so much to that. Right. But we always just say, maybe it's just the placebo effect, but it's like, I think we should be trying to figure out like, how can we make that happen more often? Like, how can we trigger the mind to do these amazing things? Yeah. And this is in a different context, but, um, a mentor who's responsible for a lot of what we do here, um, Charles Poliquin used to always say that the research is like multiple Olympic cycles behind what people would see in the gym. Yeah. Right. So you talk about cluster training, like cluster training was something that Charles would use. And then it's like three or four or five Olympic cycles later, they're yeah. talking about, Oh, we're doing all this cluster training. It's mm. like, well, I was doing that 15 yeah. years ago. So if you listen exclusively to the research, you're going to be behind, 100%. but you do have to appreciate what the research says. Um, but most people don't even know how to read a research study. So, yeah. And they can, yeah, I mean, they can be very, uh, I don't know if convolute is the word to use, but it can be murky whenever you're reading them. If you don't know what you're, yeah. you're reading, yeah. or what words are being yep. used, you have to understand the demographic. You have to understand how they trained them. You have to understand how they took the data that they took. Yeah. Like all that stuff. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, they'll, they'll take a small sample set and then they'll extrapolate this to the population mm-hmm. and they'll be like, Oh, well this is going to cause this. But it's like, all right, well, are we really looking at the parameters of the experiment here? Like, come on guys, like let's, let's yeah. be scientific about this. So yeah, you really have to, uh, just kind of, uh, be diligent about the yeah. information that you're using. What's what's cool, and to tie this back into the Titan Games, one of the other Titans, Kara Killian, actually works for Cal State Fullerton with Dr. Andy Galpin. Nice. And my girlfriend Taylor is doing one of their research studies on females right now with regards to high-intensity interval training. So, oh, nice. like, for me, I get to have some really neat insight because of that. Um, 
into like how these research studies are done like and everything that comes about it dude that's dope yeah that's a that's a good insight to have you know what i mean um and i don't want to take you too much more of your time dude um i do have another question though about uh so what uh we've kind of went over all aspects of your training we talked a little bit about your nutrition but um what is your nutrition like uh like what like you know are you you know supplementation or like what are you doing man so this is cool um and this is actually one of the areas that i really enjoy talking about um so i have a precision nutrition level one certification i have a precision nutrition level two master nutrition cert- coaching certification i've also been able to do like a mentorship um with dr john berardi so nice. they flew me out to canada i got to meet dr berardi we yeah. got to talk all the time and he is like one of the leading experts within the nutrition coaching arena of okay. like how you do those things so for me is personally, the precision nutrition training is that him yeah okay yeah, so he he is precision nutrition along with his business partner basically they started got it um I am, in essence, nutrition agnostic, right? I don't follow any one type of diet. Right. I adhere to the principles that make sense for every single human body. Mm -hmm. And then I treat everything like an experimentation. Um, I go a step further than I ask most of my clients to do in that I track, like, everything. Yeah. So when I'm tracking everything, um, it's not uh, difficult for me to do. Like it doesn't create any restrictions. I just do it right. It's super easy for me. So I'm generally eating a relatively high protein diet. We're talking about 1.3 grams per pound of lean body mass, right? It's it's generally what I'm shooting for high protein, right? Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I usually try and get as much vegetable intake as possible. And then I'm really kind of forgiving to myself with regards to did I have carbs? Did I have some fats? Where the where did the rest of these calories come from? And then um, right now I'm cutting, so like I generally just keep my caloric deficit and then be very self forgiving basically. If I have some ice cream or I have a sandwich, I just view it as muscle fuel, as my brother would say. Yeah, I mean when you're super active, right? I mean you're going to probably use those, and mm-hmm. it's about like what are you doing most of the time? You know, yeah. the problem is most people have the cookies and the ice creams all the time, mm-hmm. but if you're eating, you know, real food, you mm-hmm. know you know, uh, real protein, mostly vegetables, yep. um, like good sources of carbohydrates. I mean, you're, you're fine. Yep. Yeah. How do you feel about like breads and different things? So I go for them cause I don't really have, um, any issues with them. Yeah. Right. Um, it doesn't give me any digestive issues. I don't have brain fog. Um, that's with the exception of if I really go in excess. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm fine with like some processed carbohydrates or some neo carbohydrates like ice cream or whatever. Yeah. Um, you asked about supplementation as well. I am right. super diligent about supplementation. Since uh, I did my first training certification back in 2012, I've probably taken foundation vitamins since then. Okay. And so for me, foundation vitamins, you're talking about like a, a multivitamin, magnesium, vitamin D, probably some zinc, um, a probiotic, yeah. and then like other stuff here and there, some creatine monohydrate. You, you some, pair your vitamin D with the vitamin K? Yeah, so it's already coupled with that. In yeah, there. Okay. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'm super diligent about foundation vitamins because if you look at the research that exists out there, most people are deficient. Yeah. And when you f- alleviate a deficiency, you feel like a normal person again. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, so many people are deficient in magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's responsible for like over like 300 bodily processes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's vital. Yeah. So the research used to say 300 enzymatic processes, but what they've actually shown now in recent research is it may actually be upwards of a thousand different processes oh, wow. throughout the body are dependent on some type of magnesium. And then 
to take it a step further, most people don't understand that there's multiple different elemental forms of magnesium, right? right? So like what type of chelated form of magnesium are you ingesting is going to determine basically um, help different processes, right? right? And then you have magnesium threonate, which is the only elemental form of magnesium that actually passes the blood brain barrier. So like when you talk about like, um, depression of the nervous system or like calming yourself down or going to sleep, that magnesium threonate is amazing. And you know, you can take a glycinate for like general health. Like magnesium is the one supplement where I'm like, I geek out over this super. Yeah. I like to do it topically. Um, I mean, obviously you have like a bowel tolerance, you Mm -hmm. know, you can only take so much. It depends. It depends on what form you're taking, because if you're taking different types of magnesium, they'll actually, um, induce, um, like some bowel movements, right? But if you're deficient and then you take magnesium and then you take a probiotic with that, you can kind of wind up on the toilet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck, dude. Yeah, you got to be careful. Um, yeah, so I do. I like, like, I definitely like to do it uh, topically. Do you um, do you do uh, like a greens mix or anything? Yeah. So uh, for me, I take uh, an antioxidant blend. We actually have an amazing one here called Chelcotrients that I use. But I've used um, in the past. We had Wellness Greens with the Polycon Group. Um, I pretty much always take it because it's the one thing that everybody in the world can take right it's, it's vegetables dude right? yeah if there's one thing i feel like people can implement everybody always wants to know oh man what fat burner can i take or yeah, what, no, what protein you know, should i be yeah, taking don't. it's like yeah like if, if you okay like i food first mm-hmm. but if you are going to take something like go take a greens mix like yeah, let's sure. add that into so you can get yeah. some micros in have you tried the first form uh opti greens nope dude i tried it it's it's fucking phenomenal i was really torn between like trying that one and then um i've tried the uh the on it one and uh, I was looking at uh, Organifi, mm-hmm. but uh, dude, I tried that uh, that OptiGreens by first form, and it has been game changing. Nice. Tastes delicious. They have like um, just a, a ph- like a phenomenal mix of like uh, just different phytonutrients in there, and, yep. and uh, man, it's just one of those things I feel like so many people can benefit yeah. from just by adding into uh, just a regular regimen. You gotta hit up Andy, get him on your podcast, man. He's on the list. Nice. He's on the list. Um, just all those dudes. Uh, they're they're fucking killing it, dude. Yeah, yeah. Putting St. Louis Biz- on the map. Business is going well for them, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's what you need to leak up with next, dude. We'll see, man. Um, I got some stuff in the background right now that I'm 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 hoping some of it manifests. I can actually start talking about it. I actually, I'm probably gonna make an announcement today or sometime in the very near future. Um, I just came to an agreement with teambodybuilding.com so oh, nice. i'm going to be on part of teambodybuilding.com that's pretty cool yeah um so that's going to come out in the very near future um or at least i'll make it public um and then i got some other stuff going on too that we'll see yeah dude so um yeah let's take let's take a moment to uh yeah if what that yeah, what is next for you um you know if there's anybody you want to plug like your socials, I want to leave the floor to you too. Yeah, for sure. Like, let's talk about these things. Yeah. Um. So if you're looking for me, I'm really easy to find. All my social media handles are just my full name, Derek Aspen Scott or Derek A Scott. Yeah. Um. Spelled kind of uniquely, D E R I K. So that's not hard to figure out. Yeah. Um. I'll put things in the show notes yeah, too. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um. I'm now working out here with UP Los Angeles. UP Law. UP is a global personal training company. It's the only one like it in the whole entire world. Um, and UP and I right now are working on putting together some stuff with regards to all my training, all my nutrition for the Titan games. So if you go to like my Twitter or you go to my Instagram and you click on my link, that's what it'll take you to right now. 
Um, I am obviously involved with rock tape. I plug them a bunch, but I use them all the time. I love rock tape. Um, now t- teambodybuilding.com. Yeah. They're involved. Um, I have a, uh, protein sponsor at the moment called natural machine nutrition. It's just grass fed whey protein. Nice. Um, really good for me. Um, and then I have, man, I wish these guys would, I wish we could get an agreement earlier so I could start talking about some of this stuff, but I have a bunch of stuff in the background that hopefully I'll be able to talk about soon. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that hard to have to like wait to announce things? Yeah. And I've, I mean, I'm an attorney, so I understand it. I understand NDAs and all that stuff, but it's really weird for me to be like, you know, the Titan games we shot in October, November, I didn't get to talk about it until now. Um, and then now I have, I've never in my life had so many different, like confidential, like negotiations going on or NDAs, all this stuff that's like happening. And people are kind of aware because they've seen me with the rock. They've seen me on NBC. Now they've seen me on like these big platforms and they understand that when you're able to get to those elevated platforms, you can do some things with it. So the kind of people know stuff is going on and everybody's kind of excited, but I'm excited to like hopefully begin to announce some of this stuff yeah yeah because i mean i'm sure you're wheeling and dealing and yeah. like, just different things go through and i mean you're i mean you're living life in real time mm-hmm. right but yeah. you're almost talking about it all yeah. in, like in the past yeah yeah it's 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 wild it's very wild you know i'm just glad people have seen the titan games now i'm yeah. glad that everyone understood like what i went through why it was so physically difficult because after the the lunar event um my mom and I had texted her immediately after I was like, that was the most physically difficult thing I'd ever done. It was yeah. super hard. Like I tried to explain it to them because they weren't able to come out for it. But then she texts me after the show and she's like, no, she actually called me and left me a voicemail. She's like, Oh my God, I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand until I saw it. Like yeah. how crazy that was. And you know, what's even crazier is that Cole in, in that competition, actually, um, he tore his thoracic cage, herniated two discs, his gallbladder, liver, and kidneys all shut down Whoa. because of that competition, how intense it was. Whoa. And you're talking about a guy who literally in every aspect looks like Thor. He looks yeah. like a superhero, right? And has been like a professional wakeboarder, American Ninja Warrior, like farm boy, just like super physical specimen. Yeah. And to hear about the injuries you understand how intensive that competition was yeah yeah because it's it's so easy to see on tv mm-hmm. and uh and and feel like like you can do it or mm-hmm. or feel like the guys who are going through it aren't feeling anything yeah. you see it in fighting all the time like you watch fighting and then like like you'll see somebody get leg kicked mm-hmm. and it's like the, to the to the viewer it's just like, oh it's just a kick but like when you're in there like that you that oh, that yeah. landed like yeah. that hurts you know what yeah. i mean so it's easy to be so disassociated from like the actual experience of what that human's actually going through yeah yeah dude that's that's some intense stuff dude um so one last thing and um i was trying to figure out how i wanted to do this but um i wanted i wanted to like leave the floor to you in the sense of like you're very inspirational for a lot of people and i think you have like an amazing mindset um just if just anything like you want to like leave the folks with um as far as you know just uh just like inspirationally or like uh just a final word um you know talking about mindset or you know what i mean like how you know how can what what can people do to you know just to be the like a, a better themselves yeah what's cool is that um we talk about this all the time if you can recognize greatness in another person it just means that you're capable of it. 
right? The ability to recognize something in another individual means that there's some aspect of yourself, right? So any bit of inspiration, motivation, or anything that anyone sees in me in a positive characteristic or a positive light or a positive piece, that person, because the reason that they can see that is because it's within themselves. So you just have to make the decision to be your own superhero, right? You have to say, okay, I recognize this piece of inspiration, this piece of most motivation in that person, how do I apply that in my own life? How does the person who's in my exact scenario, the the superhero version of myself, what do they do? Right. And, yeah. and, and I think that's what I would urge people to do to, to stop settling and, and go for whatever it is you see in, in life that you want to pursue, go do that thing. If you, if you view me as inspirational, there's a reason there's something within yourself that is, is, is drawing inspiration from an aspect of me and you're capable of it. Yeah. Yeah, man. People are powerful and they're, they're definitely uh, capable of making it happen, man. So, Hey brother, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and, uh, and share your story, dude. So, uh, yeah, dude, that's it. That's all I have for yeah, today, dude. Appreciate it, man. This is cool. Yeah, this dude. Cool setup. All right, everybody until next time.